recreation and conservation go hand in hand. Recreation cannot exist without conservation. Welcome to MCV Cast. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and that was Rachel Schmidt, the head of the Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation. We'll hear more from Rachel about Montana's thriving outdoor rec economy in a few moments. Deputy Director Whitney Taney joins us from Bozeman. Political Director Jake Brown joins us from Helena. And we begin this week with controversial news from the incoming administration of Montana's new governor-elect, Greg Gianforte. This week, Mr. Gianforte announced a couple of different transition advisory teams to help him figure out how to manage Montana's public lands, natural resources, environmental quality, and wildlife. On Friday, Gianforte announced the people who will review potential directors of the State Departments of Environmental Quality and Natural Resources and Conservation. The committee is full of representatives of oil and gas and mining companies, coal developers, and loggers, and also the new head of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, who used to work for the NRA. This week, Governor-elect Gianforte announced another transition advisory team to oversee the process for finding a new director of the Montana Department of Fish, Wildlife, and Parks. Many of the names on that list are no surprise. As we said when the list was made public, it's exceptionally disappointing to see that the Fish, Wildlife, and Parks transition team includes public lands foes who value wealthy and politically connected landowners over everyday Montanans. Among them, State Representative Kerry White, who also serves as the head of the anti-public lands organization Citizens for Balanced Use. Mr. White supports the transfer and sale of public lands. He opposes the Endangered Species Act and this week even suggested that Democrats be hanged for insurrection, while falsely claiming that President Trump somehow won 410 electoral votes. Well, if Kerry White represents you, give him a call. His number is 406 587 3653. It's going to be a long ride for the conservation community in the months ahead. Jake, you're going to be actively involved and working in the legislature in a few weeks. What do you think the biggest challenge will be? Murph, it's it's still pretty early, but I think we're going to have a big um, fight around the budget this year. Uh, Governor-elect Gianforte has said that he's going to have a sort of top-down review of state government. So I would expect that we're going to see some pretty um, big cuts to Departments like DEQ and Fish and Wildlife and Parks, departments that do a lot of good work for environmental quality and our conservation values. This week, actually, legislators gathered to elect their caucus leadership positions, uh, positions like Speaker of the House and Senate President. And despite the uncertainty around sort of the future of the legislative session during the COVID pandemic, uh, Republicans elected Mark Blaisdell from Kalispell as President of the Senate and Wiley Gall of Martinsdale was elected as Speaker of the House. Democrats elected Jill Kohenauer as Minority Leader in the Senate and Kim Abbott as Minority Leader in the House. Now, Murph, the big question for legislative leadership is to figure out how the session will actually work. Republicans have expressed interest in sort of conducting business as usual, whereas Democrats have called their counterparts reckless for not requiring mask wearing or social distancing or any other measures to prevent the spread of the COVID virus in the halls of the Capitol. We also want to send our congratulations to State Representative Shane Morajot, who was MCV's endorsed candidate for state auditor. Though he lost that race, the Missoula County Commission this week appointed Morajot to serve the remainder of State Senator Nate McConnell's term. This means Representative Morajot will be Senator Morajot for the next session of the legislature, and we're thrilled to report that he will be representing Senate District 48 
in and around Missoula. Another news item we've been following this week, a controversial order from U.S. Interior Secretary David Bernhardt shortchanging funding for our public lands through the Land and Water Conservation Fund. The new secretarial order requires state and county approval to acquire new acres of public land through LWCF. It also undercuts the Bureau of Land Management's ability to increase access to our national conservation lands. All of this attacks the implementation of the Great American Outdoors Act, so many wanted to claim credit for and goes against the intent of the historic legislative win so many supported. Montana Senator John Tester wrote a letter to Secretary Bernhardt rejecting the additional levels of bureaucracy that will hamstring future land acquisitions. Senator Steve Daines responded via a statement blaming the failure of the new framework on a lack of transparency, collaboration, and partnership. But no one should be surprised given the Trump administration has an anti-public lands agenda and has had one from day one. Up until an election year, the Trump administration consistently opposed funding for our public lands. And let's also not forget that they installed anti-public lands foe William Perry Penley to lead the largest public lands management agency in the country. This latest action just shows their priorities have not changed. The Montana Office of Outdoor Recreation released this year's annual report this fall, and it is full of key takeaways about our state's powerful outdoor recreation economy. There's a link to that report in our show notes, but here are a few facts. One out of every 10 jobs in this state is an outdoor recreation job. For every million dollars spent in conservation activities, between 17 and 31 jobs are created. That's more than the manufacturing and construction industries combined. The author of this report is the head of the Office of Outdoor Recreation, created in 2016 by Governor Steve Bullock, and she is this week's guest. Today's guest is Rachel Schmidt of Whitefish. Rachel is the director of the Governor's Office of Outdoor Recreation. The office was created in 2016 by Governor Steve Bullock to advocate for the outdoor recreation industry and leverage its numerous benefits to the state. Rachel is a University of Montana graduate and worked in a variety of roles in the outdoor recreation industry, including her family's river rafting guiding service, skiing, fly fishing, and firearm manufacturing. Rachel, welcome to MCV Cast. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell us where you're from and what you did before and what you like to do for fun. Yeah. Um, well, let's see. I am actually from Whitefish, um, you know, fourth generation Montanan. I was born in Whitefish, raised in Whitefish, um, went away to college, but stayed as close as I could and um, have lived here ever since. You know, I traveled extensively throughout my career so far. And every time I come back, I'm like, yep, right decision. Definitely belong here. So that makes me feel good. <laughs> I worked in the organic produce industry. I worked in the ski industry and, you know, the rafting, fly fishing, guiding um, industry, firearms industry. So it's kind of like this really well-rounded, you know, package that one could never really, I don't think, plan um, to kind of look at and toss up. So when, you know, when the governor decided he was going to create this Office of Outdoor Recreation, that's, that's kind of how I got thrown in the mix. So let's talk about that role a little more with the, the Governor's Office of Outdoor Rec. What, what is it exactly? And, um, and then beyond that, what inspires you and what keeps you up at night? Offices of Outdoor Recreation first were created out of Utah. 
um, of all places. Governor Herbert decided, you know what, we really are realizing that this outdoor recreation economy and industry that we all know is there, but it's it's not really quantified in any normal way and like don't really know how to say, but we know that it contributes to our economy and whether it's, you know, a lot of people think directly of like tourism and recreation and sure that's a, you know, a piece of that, um, but that there's more to it. And so offices of outdoor recreation uh, first created in Utah very quickly, Colorado created one, Washington, and then Montana was number four. There's actually 17 offices of outdoor recreation now in the U.S. Um, since I created the office here in 2017. We uh, have an organization called the Confluence of States, and so that is actually a partnership of all the offices of outdoor recreation across the U.S. Um, I'm the chair of that organization. A few of us are policy advisors for the National Governors Association and have created the Outdoor Learning Network for the National Governors Association, which is very exciting. It's elevating all of those recreation and conservation topics and issues to the governors and governor's staff level, so they have an idea of you know what the conversations are out there. And certainly, Governor Bull he agreed to create this, but it was because that's what the people of Montana wanted. That's what the industry wanted. It's what a lot of user groups wanted and partners wanted. Then fast forward to some economic reports like the Main Street Montana um, economic survey. Um, and that came out with the same requests. And so a lot of industry folks, so whether we're talking about that core industry, the people that are making and manufacturing the gear and the goods and the experiences, guides and outfitters, um, whether it was that, you know, group of people or a lot of user groups um, really advocating and asking, you know, hey, we know through a lot of industry data that's out there that this contributes a lot to our local economies. This is important to our way of life. So it was it was advocacy on behalf of all the people. And, you know, Governor Bullock created um, agreed to create it. So that's why you've you know got me here. Awesome. So our public lands drive a lot of how we recreate outside. And with a governor coming into office this January, one who hasn't been as friendly to our public lands, what does that mean for the future of Montana's outdoor recreation economy and the Office of Outdoor Recreation? Offices of Outdoor Recreation have actually been around for quite some time now. I think in Utah, we're going, oh gosh, we're going on almost seven, eight years that Utah has had an office and other states now have gone through actually quite a few different administration changes. Their track record so far is that every state keeps these offices and these offices continue to work on behalf of the economy. It's just really a trend that's taking over the U.S. We now have very, very specific data from the federal government, from the U.S. government, from the Bureau of Economic Analysis. And actually, you guys are the first ones I get to talk to about this one because they just uh, revealed the 2018 and 2000 numbers as far as the impacts of recreation on Montana's economy. And what for years was going on is that many trade organizations like Outdoor Industry Association and others, National Shooting Sports Foundation, they do their own economic studies and they go out and, and figure out, you know, how do we contribute to the economy? Because sure, we're, we're, we're something that provides people happiness and joy and inspiration and health. And but, you know, we talk about it intrinsically like this is good for us. This is the right thing to do. And there was no talking apples and apples when it came to what policy and decision makers look at when it comes time for them to educate themselves on making those policies and laws, et cetera. And so what happened is the Bureau of Economic Analysis, they developed what's called um, a prototype satellite account 
of outdoor recreation on the national economy. So what BEA, Bureau of Economic Analysis, does is, you know, they're the ones that calculate GDP for the United States. And everybody across the world understands what GDP is. They understand what taxes are on local and national level, understand what job creation is and how many jobs, understand employment figures, whether it's um, added value consumer spending. So this is the vocabulary that kind of everybody is used to talking about when it talks about segments of the economy. Well, starting in 2018, 2019, and now in 20, um, we now have about two and a half years of national and now state data as far as the impacts of recreation, the whole recreation economy, um, a lot of it experiential, a lot of it DIY, a lot of it guided, a lot of it creating the gears and the, and the goods. We have those numbers. And Montana and the newest numbers um, contributes, BEA contributes, I believe the new number is 4.7% of Montana's GDP is contributed to outdoor recreation. And that's very large. On a national level, the contribution is, I believe, 2.1-2.2% is where that sits um, as far as the GDP contributed on a national level. BEA is very quick to point that that is significantly larger than many of the segments of our economy that we consider some of the most important and then that drives you know, and fuels the economy. Um, so we really have this powerhouse of an economy. Um, Montana is ranked number three as far as the percentage of GDP and its economy. You've got Hawaii and then Vermont and then Montana. Um, and so we have this, you know, very diverse economy. We've got a huge portion of that um, economy, you know, reliant on this. And so just from a pragmatic standpoint, um, if this is a powerhouse industry um, and a powerhouse piece of your economy, Clearly, that is something that everyone is going to want to look out for um, and do the best they can to grow and enhance um, that sector um, in a responsible and, and good way. I'd like to dive into that a little more. So the, the numbers that many of us are familiar with come from the Outdoor Industry Association, which basically says the outdoor recreation economy in this state it boils down to $7 billion a year in economic activity, 70,000 direct jobs. I, can you unpack that a little bit? If, if those numbers still jibe with you, what do we need to do as people who care about our public lands and, and the clean air and clean water that they provide? What do we need to do to protect them more to make sure that that economy stays strong as we head into the future? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to start with talking about Outdoor Industry Association's numbers, and those are absolutely still valid numbers. That $7 billion, what I really want to drive home to everybody, that's related to consumer spending. And a ton of that is consumer spending of people out and about doing things they enjoy, not just purchasing gear and goods. It's experience and goods. But the piece there that's really vitally important is that half of that $7 billion, approximately half, is certainly from non-resident visitors. So what's the latest number? About 13 million people come to Montana and spend about, what, if we if we toss it up that way, around $3.5 billion on recreation-related activity. The other 3.5 is spent by 1 million residents of Montana. Half of that spending is us as Montanans spending money on our way of life. It is what we do, recreation. We've, it's proven time and time again in you name it survey, you name it study that, you know, I think the latest one is like 98% of Montanans feel that outdoor recreation is vitally important to their way of life. 
there's so many people that, you know, you talk to somebody in some areas of the state and it's like, oh, hey, you know, what do you enjoy for outdoor recreation? They're like, oh, I don't, I don't recreate. I'm like, wait a minute, you don't, you don't recreate? Well, no. I'm like, well, but I'm, you hunt and you fish. Oh, but that's just what we do. And so it's this like mental frame of mind that we've got that it's such an integrated part of our lives. We don't even think about it as outdoor recreation, which I think is amazing. Recreation and conservation go hand in hand. Recreation cannot exist without conservation. And why I say that very easily is somewhere along the lines, really conservation, it ends up being conservation and stewardship is literally the maintenance of the infrastructure that supports this powerhouse of an economy. So by us looking out for open spaces, view sheds, healthy habitat, whether it's aquatic or terrestrial, um, looking and making sure that we have, you know, good, sustainable, healthy access, that we have appropriate opportunities to go do this. That's literally the unique infrastructure that supports almost 5% of this state's GDP. So I think that that's a really interesting way for us to look at this. I know it's it's a different thing, and, and we certainly don't need to lose the way we've been talking about um, conservation and stewardship before, but I do think that it helps to have like different ways to explain and different ways to paint this picture. So what would you say are the biggest threats right now to the industry? I guess that, you know, outdoor recreation industry, so what I call the core industry, is the gear and the goods manufacturers, the experienced manufacturers and guides and outfitters, retail. So they function very, very similar to many other industries, right? They um, are definitely subjected to supply chain issues, import-export issues, whether it's tariffs. So in many ways, this industry does, um, you know, experience everything that every other manufacturing experience um, industry in the U.S. But what is very, very unique is that they rely very uniquely on what I was just referring to as that infrastructure that their users rely on. And so all of these folks, whether it's Mystery Ranch Backpacks, whether it's Kenetrax, whether it's the retailer, you know, REI, all of these folks understand that if the if their consumers have no place and no space, or do not feel welcome out recreating in whatever they choose to do, they understand they don't have a customer base, and they don't have a thriving industry or a business. And so I would say that, you know, obviously, especially in Montana, um, in the Western United States, public lands, and access to water, that plays a critical role in what the recreation landscape is, for sure. Absolutely. So any final words? Um, you know, the Office of Outdoor Rec, this is a phenomenon, I should say, that is growing and it's like an arms race of goodness, which is just awesome to see. And the reason I say that is one of the most recent states to create an Office of Outdoor Recreation is New Mexico. And with New Mexico's office came a staff of three and a yearly grant cycle budget of $3 million just to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion in the outdoors to make sure that everyone, because we all jointly own all of this public land together, 
it's an initiative to make sure that we're all out there as the best, as best we can to experience it and love it and take care of it. So you just see these new offices coming on board and they're just, you know, better and better. Utah then doubles down and, and they create, you know, they'll, they'll put more money. So I think they have $8 million um, two-year grant cycle for recreation infrastructure, maintenance and creation, because they know that this is, this is investment in economic diversification in rural America. The, there is a huge shift in the conversation around the recreation economy how it benefits rural America, how it impacts individual and community health and well-being. And it is, an, it is a common conversation now. Um, it, is, um, it has been elevated. And that's through the work of all of our offices. You know, first there were eight of us through into about middle of 2018. And then, you know, now there's 17 of us and, and understanding the connectivity that we provide um, it's remarkable. And Montana, I'm really happy and proud to say that Montana has been a leader in that. Um, and so I'm very much looking forward to see how we continue to lead the way and innovate because that is, that's the history and the track record that Montana has in all sorts of ways, um, through resource conservation, through, um, you know, economics, like you name it. So I'm really excited to see, you know, how we can, um, you know, work for the greater industry and economy and really what we're all passionate about and care about in the future. Well, we're excited about that too. Rachel Schmidt is the director of the governor's office of outdoor recreation joining us from Whitefish. Rachel, thanks for your work and thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. As always, the views of our guests on MCV Cast do not necessarily reflect the views of Montana Conservation Voters, its staff, or its board of directors. And we want to note that Rachel is one of the people who serves at the pleasure of the governor. It is unclear who Governor-elect Gianforte will appoint in that position if he decides to keep the office at all. Either way, we will let you know when we know. Former Montana Congressman and Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke had potential criminal charges deferred by a Trump-appointed Deputy Attorney General, as reported by the Washington Post. The criminal charges against Zinke would have been for lying to federal investigators about a number of murky ethical issues with Zinke's time at the Department of Interior, but specifically around his decision to not grant a petition to allow two Indian tribes to operate casinos off-reservation land in Connecticut. Because the Deputy AG, Jeffrey Rosen, deferred moving forward with the criminal charges, the future of the case is unclear. The new administration could decide to pursue the charges, but time the case stays open typically makes the case weaker. We'll keep our listeners up to date with any new information about Montana's former congressman. In the final months before the Trump administration is no longer in power, they're continuing to forge ahead with their energy dominance agenda. This week, the administration began the formal process of selling leases to oil companies to drill for oil and gas in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge in Alaska. The prized 19 million acre refuge has mostly been untouched by people and is home to the caribou, migrating waterfowl, and already dwindling populations of polar bears. The refuge is also sacred land of the Gwich'in tribe. The move is a clear violation of public trust. Thankfully, President-elect Joe Biden has already vocally opposed drilling in the refuge and will do everything possible to reverse the leases after he is inaugurated January 20th. 
Next week is Thanksgiving week, which means there will be no episode of MCV Cast, but we'll be back with our season three finale the following week on December 4th. Here's where we note that Tuesday, December 1st is Giving Tuesday, and we appreciate you keeping MCV in mind when it comes to your to your to your year in giving. From all of us at Montana Conservation Voters, enjoy the Thanksgiving holiday safely. If you're enjoying a meal with loved ones via Zoom, well, know we're doing the same. We wish you health and happiness. And we leave you today with the sounds from Yellowstone Public Radio, reporting on the most recent tribal election on the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. Members of the tribe this week voted for several open seats in their government. All of the newly elected leaders are women. We all come from women, and so now is the time that we honor them as our leaders across every office for the first time ever as the Northern Cheyenne Nation. We will have a Cheyenne president, a Cheyenne vice president, and all five Cheyenne tribal districts. They will all be led by women.